Well, hey, welcome and thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. For more information and to stay up to date on our latest worship experiences, visit our website, gatewayshelbyville.com. Now let's prepare our hearts for today's message. Amen, amen. How many is ready for the word this morning? Are you ready, Gateway Church? One Sunday, I just want to do the, are you ready? <laughs> amen, amen. If you have your Bible, if you go to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter number 13 and Joshua chapter number 1, I'm going to talk to you this morning on the topic, lift the lid, lift the lid. I don't know about you guys, but I want to grow. How many want to grow in God's presence and God's goodness and his faithfulness? Before uh, we get into this and while you're turning there, I also want to celebrate. If you were a part of the team that went over to Bonnaroo, was praying with folks, worshiping, would you stand to your feet real quick? Some of the folks who went over to Bonnaroo to minister. Can we put our hands together for those who wanted to go and minister? They have a prayer book with over 200 prayers that people wrote prayer requests at Bonnaroo. I mean, they may have been tripping on acid, but they had enough sense to know they need Jesus. And so, so I'm just glad they're over there on the front lines. And, uh, and let me just say this. like For those that would judge the character and integrity of the people who are going to Bonnaroo to minister, like Jesus was also criticized and judged because he was having meals with what they deemed as sinners. Isn't that where the, the family of God should be is on the front lines with those who need Jesus the most? So I celebrate that this morning. I want to grow. I've always had a desire to be better. I've always wanted to go beyond my current capacity. I've always wanted to lift my lid and allow my lid to become my launching pad. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to get better. Whether it was sports, it was academics, whatever I was doing, I wanted to grow. And one of the things I had to learn over the years, and early on I learned this, and I'm sure that you've heard this before, I had to learn that leaders are readers that leaders are learners. So over the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to make sure that we are able to, to learn and to listen to what God would say to us on this topic today. Um, and I hope that we'll be able to, to hear clearly, hope I can communicate clearly, um, and that the Holy Spirit will transform all of our lives today. I've been reading a book, and I, I don't always think that books are always the answer, especially when it comes to secular books, but I have a secular book that I have uh, been wanting to to tell you about and because it's been impacted my life. It's called Willpower Doesn't Work. Willpower Doesn't Work. How many know that willpower is a limited resource? If you don't believe that, try dieting. If you don't believe that, drive by the newly built, newly opened Krispy Kreme Donuts in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Willpower doesn't work. And, and the premise of this book is that you not only need willpower, but you have to learn to change your environment. That through changing your environment, you can change your life. And so I'm reading this book, and it's, it's significant. It's impacted my life. And I came across this, this uh, psychological phrase uh, called the Pygmalion effect or the Rosenthal effect. And it means this, it's where others' expectations on a set person will affect the person's performance or behavior. In other words, this is when the expectations or the environments that we're around of others become self-fulfilling prophecies over someone's life. They become a lid. To illustrate the point, this book shared a case study and an experiment that was done with fleas. 
And I thought this was super fascinating. What they did was they, they got a jar and they put fleas in the jar. And the fleas began jumping out of the jar. They could just keep jumping out because they're fleas. They jump. That's what they can do. So they put a lid on the jar for three days. And so these fleas at first were jumping and they were hitting the top of the lid. They were hitting the lid. They were hitting the lid. They were hitting the lid. And eventually they got tired of hitting the lid. So after three days, they took the lid off and these fleas would jump, but they would only jump to the height of where the lid used to be. Even though there wasn't a lid anymore, even though they were just on the other side of their freedom, even though they had every ability to make change in their life, they could only jump to the height of where the lid used to be. Think about this for a moment. Their thinking and therefore their actions were conditioned based on the previous environment and then established their expectation in and interpretation of the current environment. So in other words, if you are in an unhealthy environment in your past, you're going to project that onto an environment in your present. So you begin to jump only to the height of what you used to could jump. So there's some folks in here this morning, I believe, that are still living in the lid of yesterday. You're still living in the limitations of your past experience and yesterday's experience, but the environment has shifted, the lid has been lifted, and God wants you to go higher. And I believe by the end of today, you're not going to jump in the jar. You're not going to be in prison anymore. You're not going to be enslaved anymore. You're going to lift the lid, get out, and experience the full freedom that Jesus has for you. Now, that's good. You could just preach that, but that wasn't the most damning evidence that they found because what they really found was this. They found that the next generation that was born, even though they were born and they had a jar with no lid, they would also only jump to the height that the previous generation would jump even though they've never experienced the lid before in their life. Whew, that will preach. As we say in Alabama, that dog will hunt. Because this is the thing, is how many of us have self-imposed limitations and lids based on the past generations in our families and we only think we can do so much and it has nothing to do with our capacity, our anointing, our calling, our intelligence. It has everything to do with the lid of expectation based on the experience of our parents. How many of you have uneducated parents and you think you can't have an education? How many of you have parents that were on drugs and you think, I got to be on drugs? How many of you had parents that their marriage didn't last and you're now on your third and you don't think yours can last? How many of you have seen that there's been parents that were absent and weren't present and you are now absent and not present? How many know that the lid of yesterday shouldn't remain on our life, but God wants to turn it into a launching pad so that we can be launched into our purpose and our destiny? When I look at my family, y'all, I am the first in my family family to go to college. I am the first in my family at my age to own a house. I am the first in my family to have my first marriage into my 30s. And guess what? It's only going to go higher for my children and their children because they're going to stand on my shoulders because we are not going to settle for a lid and we are not going to build a lid and I'm not going to be the limitations for their experience or their future or their promise but I'm going to be the one that launches them out and says you're going to 
go further. They are arrows in our bows, and we will launch them into the nations. We will launch them into heights that we never saw. We will launch them into dreams we never thought we could do. We will launch them into the places that people said we would never make it. If you believe the God that we serve is a God who breaks the limitations, he breaks the barriers. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're black. What matters is we have a limit-breaking God who is in this house today who says enough is enough. Amen? Give him praise in this house. I'm glad you could make it to our talk today. So, so that, was, that was one. That was one. But I started reading and doing more research on this. In 2014, Jason Roney became the youngest to perform a backflip on a motorcycle and landed on dirt. You're like, okay, Pastor, what's that got to do with anything? He was 10 years old. And he did a backflip on a motorcycle and landed it on dirt. You may say, well, that, that's cool. Okay. I watch ESPN too. And they have it all the time. But what you don't understand is in all the years of motorcycles, it was believed that you couldn't land a backflip on a motorcycle. The first to do it was in 2002. It was Caleb Wyatt. 2002. Think about the history of motorcycles. 2002 was the first time that it was done. Travis Pastrana did it in 2006, but he went another level. He said, I'm going to do a double backflip and land it on dirt. By 2015, Josh Sheehan did a triple backflip and landed it on dirt. Do you see that for years, people were told it couldn't be done, so no one did it, but now we have 10-year-olds Landing what adults said was impossible. And I believe that there's a generation arising in this church that will do things that the generation before thought was impossible because we have some pioneers and some trailblazers in this house who will say nothing is impossible with God. Just stand back and watch what I'm about to do because God has anointed me to do this. You see, it's, it's like the four-minute mile. People said it couldn't be done. Then once one person broke that barrier, then, then it was like 30-something the next year did it, and like over 100 the next year did it. All it takes is one pioneer to say, I believe God can let us do something that's impossible. We're walking in the impossible. They told me that we can never do what we're doing here in Bedford County because it's too poor of a county. But guess what? God said, watch what I'm about to do with some people who will believe me for the impossible because I'm the God of the impossible. You see... What are you self-imposing limitations with? So today I want us to look at this from two different perspectives. I want us to look at what are the mindsets that we have to overcome to keep the lid off the next generation. And then I also want us to see how do we lift the lid that's already there. One, how do we prevent the lid? And then number two, how do we remove it once it's there? So I have two readings in Numbers chapter 13, and then Joshua chapter 1. And I'm having these side by side because it represents two different time periods. In Numbers 13, you have the first time that Israel had the opportunity to go into the promised land. And they had a self-imposed lid that caused them to go back and wander in the wilderness. 
But then in Joshua, you have a new generation that is arising that eventually steps in and takes the land. So how do we go from lid living with limitations to limitless possibilities and taking the land? Numbers chapter 13, verse number 28. If you are there, please say amen. amen. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. This is the report from the spies as they went to spy out the land. Nevertheless, the, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. It says, moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. How many is thankful for some Caleb's in your life? Those people who say, let's just go do it. God's with us. We got this. But then the majority spoke. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the, uh, from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Listen to how it says this. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. Man, that is a line right there. If you underline, highlight, color, draw, whatever, do something right there. Chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If we had only died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Think about that mindset. Lid-thinking people always complain about leaders. They always would rather go back into past bondage, no matter what it is. And they can never see the possibilities of the future. Now let's go over to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua is taking over for Moses. Can you imagine the pressure to take over for a leader, much less to take over for Moses? And listen to what it says. Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. Then we'll skip down just a little bit. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land I am giving them, the children of Israel. God said he's going to give it right there. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Notice it doesn't say, I will give you. I have given you. It says, as Mo I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this, uh, it says, and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, to the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. It says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. It says, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. There's a promise there. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do all according that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you would go over to chapter 3. 
Verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Notice they were called to chase the ark of God, the presence of God. It says, yet there, there shall be a space between you about 2,000 cubits in a measure. Do not come near so that they may know the way which you must go for you have not passed this way before. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. How many know we should live with that expectation that God will do wonders among us? Verse 17, then we'll pray and then I'll preach and we'll go change the world. Verse 17, then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I'm asking for your anointing, the kind of anointing that makes preaching easy, listening, enjoyable, but above all, transformational. If I say anything in and of myself that's not of you, guard the people's hearts. But if what I say is from you, let it find good ground to bring forth a kingdom harvest in Jesus' mighty and strong name. And everybody says, amen, amen and amen. So I began reading this. And understand this was at different times, but very similar circumstances. Both times you have a people who are coming out of the wilderness. Can anybody relate to coming out of a wilderness? And they're at the place, at the precipice, at the, at the brink of their blessing, at the precipice of their promise. They are about to step into this thing that God had promised them and told them they were called to go into. He had already said, I've given it to you. It was a gift from God that they were about to step into. But yet we see in this, one generation isn't able to go in because of lid thinking. They couldn't see beyond where they were. They couldn't see beyond their own limitations. But yet we see another generation that is eager in anticipation to step into the land that God had promised them and to take everything that they were called to take. So what I want to do is I want to parallel these stories and I want, to, I want us to understand the different ways of thinking and the different ways of overcoming that we see in each of these. First, I want us to set up some guards against the mindsets that we see in the first generation to understand and make sure that we do not have the mindsets that this generation had. Because if we have the mindset today, the same mindset that crippled them at the Jordan River going into the promised land is the same mindset that will cripple you today in Shelbyville, Tennessee, and Tullahoma, and Murfreesboro, in this region as you try to step in to the promise of everything that God has for you. The first mindset that we've got to avoid is an inflated view of the obstacle or the enemy in front of you. An inflated view of the obstacle or the enemy in front of you. Notice that all the spies could talk about was how great the enemies were. All they could talk about was how armed they were. All they could talk about was how large they were. All they could talk about was how the obstacle was so amazing, it was so big, and the obstacle that stood between them and their calling was too much to overcome. Now, if I'm being honest, some people focus on the problem more than they focus on the promise. Some people focus on the obstacle more than they focus on the God who has sent them and anointed them to take the land. And if we're being honest about that, to hear some people speak, they don't even worship God. To be honest, they worship their financial situation. 
To be honest, they worship their disease or their divorce or the company merger or buyout. They, they worship the mountain of fear between them and their assignment. If you listen to us talk because from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, we don't really believe who God says he is, but yet we believe the, the problem and the barrier is what it says it is. We believe that the mountain is too great. We believe that the valley is too low. We believe that the giants are too big. We believe that there's too many of them and not enough of us. We believe that we're not good enough. We believe that we can't make it, but we see this great giant in the land and you can hear them singing the praises of the Malachites but you don't hear them saying no but our God is greater. You don't hear them saying yeah I see how great that the Canaanites are but you don't hear them saying but our God is a God of the impossible who can take us into the land so who are they really praising and if you have a mindset that likes to focus on your problems and not focus on the promise if you like to exalt the situation more than you like to exalt your God you will find yourself wandering in the wilderness wondering why you never got to go in. But, but I have found that some people like to get, they get a real high out of being really low. Some people like to be victims, y'all. They like it. They like to tell you how bad it is all the time. They like to tell you what's going on. But I'm going to tell you what I love. And I'm not saying you can't have a place to, to talk about things and get your feelings out there. But I love the kind of people that it may look like hell's coming at them. And they're standing there and they're about to go under. But they're looking at you like Job saying, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I just know that he's with me every step of the way. And may, I, may have, I may have an eviction notice on my door. But I believe there's a job on the way. I believe there's provision on the way. I believe my... God's going to make a way. And if he doesn't, I will worship him in the woods with a tent with my family because I'm just never going to cease from praising my God. How many is thankful for people who can keep the right perspective and don't make much of their enemies and don't make much of the problems, but make much of their savior. Amen. So this is one of the mindsets. Another mindset is notice that these, they kept talking about the enemies, but then they started talking bad about themselves. Notice this. The second mindset is an insecure view of yourself. It says that they saw themselves as grasshoppers, so their enemies saw them the same way too. Like, I'm just telling you, any, any athletes in the house, wave at me if you ever played sports, ever, even back in the day. Y'all my people, I love y'all. How many play video games? Wave at me, wave at me. How many play online with folks? Okay, y'all... Y'all my people too. I'm not real good at it, but y'all my people. This is what I noticed in basketball. And all of the competitors in here will know what I'm talking about. You can see it in the eyes when someone who's guarding you is scared. I remember, I can remember in basketball, I would go to my friend, my best friend, I'd say, hey, give me the ball. Just keep feeding it to me. They're scared. And I knew if they were scared, they couldn't guard me because they saw themselves as inferior. And because they saw themselves as inferior, they were going to play inferior. And that meant that I could dominate them because I had the mentality that I could do that. You see, this is the way life is. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. If you think you're going to fail, you're right. If you think you're going to make it, you're right. And so they had this mindset. They saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own sight. You see... I feel like, if we're being really honest, most of our theology comes out of medieval uh, monastic orders more than it comes out of the Word of God. And so what we do is we think that this that piety or humility is actually tearing oneself down. 
That is not piety. That is not, that is not humility. Uh, you are mocking the creation of God. But confidence is this. Confident is when you know whose you are and you know whose image you've been created in the image of and you can walk into a room and you can simply be you with integrity and with kindness and with love. But what arrogance is, is arrogance is simply the mask put on insecurity because we parade ourselves in pride because we don't want people to know we're actually terrified but in reality confidence walks in and says I got this because I know who's got me I got this because I know who's got me look at your name and go hey I got this because I know who's got me look at your name and go hey I'm bad you don't want to mess with me like we need that kind of mentality that we know who and whose we are if you don't believe that confidence is a powerful factor in the life of drawing blessings towards you, have you ever seen good-looking dudes that can't get a girlfriend? Now let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Have you ever seen some dorky dudes with some smoking ladies? And you think, I remember seeing it in college, y'all, and you can't say, what well, was the money. We were all poor in college. And I, I would see this, I would see this guy walk up with this girl, and I'm thinking, how? It happens to me every time I walk in the room with Sylvia. They're like, how did that cat get that girl? I have self-awareness. I know who I am. But I just look at him and go, because I have deceived her into thinking that I'm confident. And so, so I remember I would see these guys, and, and they had confidence. It wasn't arrogance. They were just confident in who they were. And you ever notice when you watch someone speaking, when a speaker has a microphone, if they are nervous and they're terrified, you feel nervous, you feel terrified. But if they get up on the stage and they got the microphone and they're confident, you feel confident, you feel free. If they're willing to move around, you're willing to move around. If you're, they're willing to open up, you're willing to open up. And so what we have to do is we have to understand who and whose we are to have the confidence because insecurity manifests in multiple ways. The inability to genuinely celebrate the wins of others insecurity avoiding the very opportunities that you are called to thrive in see y'all I was terrified to preach and this is what God called me to you may not think that I'm the best best preacher in the world but guess what I know that I'm doing what I'm called to do and I'm confident in that I don't need to take listen I don't need to take a, a poll or get your opinion I'm just going to do with the best of my ability what God called me to do and let God work out the results I'm just going to be faithful to the process amen but this is the thing, is I was terrified to preach. And if you really think about that, you're really terrified about what people are going to think, and you don't want to look like a failure. I used to have a thing that I would get nervous about looking nervous. Am I know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't want people to know I'm nervous. So I remember I would just try, I would fake it till I made it. I'd get up there, I'd be like, it's so good to be here, and my knees are like doing this. I'm like, praise the Lord, it's so good to be in the house of God. And man, I would just go with it. And before long, you get in a stride, and you notice every time he shows up, he doesn't leave you, he doesn't forsake you. You don't go do that thing on your own because he's with you every single step of the way. And if you will just start getting up with your knees knocking to say, I just know that he's with me, and that gives me the confidence to do this, you can stand before a giant as a little boy and sling a stone and kill that giant and lead a nation to freedom if you just just have the confidence of who's going with you. You see, insecurity manifests in overcompensating and making bad choices. It manifests in sexual immorality so that you can get someone to accept you and to desire you. It leads to making excuses. 
It also leads to being easily offended and constantly thinking that people are against you. You ever met that person that you try to give them constructive feedback and they get offended and they think you're against them and you hate them and you're out on an assignment to destroy them. In reality, they're trying to rebuke you and really they're blaming a demon when really they just don't have discipline. Mm -hmm. Amen. I'm just going to let that kind of saute in the atmosphere just for a moment. (laughs) But we can be bold, we can be courageous, we can be confident because we know who's with us. And the fact is this, is that you may say, well, I can do nothing without God, but you never have to be without God. So quit saying you can do nothing and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and believing it. The third thing that we see in this mindset is that there was a loud circle of negative voices. You see, the majority usually doesn't want to go with God. Even when you go into Pentecost, there's 120 in the upper room, yet 500 saw the resurrected Christ. Where were the 380? Because usually obedience eliminates the majority. But how many want to thank God for the Caleb's, the distinguished voices of faith that are in our life, that, that when everybody else says you can't, you've got that friend. How many is thankful for that friend, that Caleb in your life, that when everybody else says you can't do it, they're saying, yes, you can. You can make it. You're going to do this. Like, like God's with you. You're anointed for this. You're called for this. Like, like you've got the gifts inside you. You're going to develop that thing. And everybody else is going, I don't see it. I don't see it. And because it takes one person to see it and call it to the surface, to speak that thing and to encourage that thing. And to see it come out inside you. So let me ask you this. What is your circle like? What are the voices around you like? I want you to think about this just for a minute. Do the people around you make you feel like you can or make you shrink back and settle? Who are the people in your circle? Are they constantly encouraging you? Are they making you think about all the limitations? You see, I love the people that make me think about the possibilities. I love the people that come alongside me and go, Pastor, can, can't you see that? Like, like one day there's going to be a Christian school and, and, and one day we're going to we're, we're be able to go to nation after nation and send missions groups. And, and Pastor, can't you see it? Like, like the glory of the Lord is going to flood this place. And, and Pastor, can't you see it? Like, like it's getting paid off. Pastor, can't you see it? Like we're going to have a ministry training center. And, and Pastor, can't you see it? Like we're going to have multiple campuses around the region to see the kingdom of God crashing in at each of them. Pastor, can't you see it? I love that. What I don't want to hear and what I don't need is people that walk in on a Sunday morning and they look at me and go, well, Pastor, we're, we, I don't know. It's, there's not as many people as there's people who called out today. I get that. But that's just another obstacle that we've got to overcome. And which, try not to call out if you can help it. But, but just, just make sure that like, it's just an obstacle that you've got to overcome. Because this is a thing. If God has called you to it, he's anointed you for it. And that means he's given you ideas and innovation and the ability to adapt on the fly. Because nothing catches him off guard. But fourth, I'm going to break this up into two parts, y'all. Like I got way too much stuff and I'm going to have to bring this back next week. This is the thing. This is the thing. The fourth mindset is it's a limited view of God's ability and willingness. That's key. A limited view of God's ability and willingness. We would never come out and say that. We would never say, I don't think God can. We would never say, I don't think he can overcome them. But, but we will doubt in our, the back of our mind and we will start using reason over revelation. 
But in reality, in this situation, when you look at it, they had a revelation and a promise from God. He told them this. He said, I have given you the land. It was already theirs. It was already theirs. But they ran away because of the voices of a handful of people told them they couldn't do it. At the end of the day, they did not believe what God told them. Listen, y'all, we can dance around the excuses all day long, but we either believe what God has told us or we don't believe what God has told us. We can blame our mama. We can blame our daddy. We can blame our pastor. We can blame our team leader. We can blame our boss. We can blame our brother, our sister. We can blame our experiences. We can blame that trauma. But at the end of the day, in spite of all the obstacles, in spite of the mountains, in spite of the enemies, either I'm going to believe what the word of the Lord says for my life or I'm not going to believe it. How many believe that God has spoken a word over your life today? That there is a promise for you and your household. And the reality is this, is whether you've ever heard God or not, there are promises in this book. He said, I know some of you may have a hearing problem, so I'm willing to send you a letter in advance so that you can know every promise that I have for you. That healing is the children's bread. That I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That you're more than a conqueror in Christ. That I will go before you and I will give you victory over every enemy that comes against you, that the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that I, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, that I will go with you. You can go to hell and not get separated from me. You can be in the grave and I'm still with you, but just understand that I am the God and in me you will do great exploits, greater works than these you will do because I send the Holy Spirit. You will lay hands on the sick. You will cast out devils. You will raise the dead. That's what his word says and if that's what his word says I'm either taking all of it or I'm taking none of it and it's time for us to start saying God's given a word for me and my family he says your children are an inheritance of the Lord that means no matter what they're looking like right now they will come back because it's a promise if you believe that give him a praise this morning Stay on your feet. I'm closing. I think it's time for us to stop being impressed with the size of the giants. I think it's time for us starting to be in wonder and awe of the size of our God. You know, I heard an old preacher say this one time. As the years pass, I'm getting closer and closer to being an old preacher. Hopefully one day there'll be some young pup that will say, well, I heard this old preacher one day say. He said this. He said the people of Israel were asking the wrong question. They were asking, can we defeat these great giants? And they should have been asking, what are they doing on our property? It was already theirs. Right now, there is enemies occupying.
occupying the promises that God has given to you, that your marriage can be healthy and whole, that your family can follow Jesus, that you can be healed and made whole, that you have the mind of Christ, that depression has to bow to the name of Jesus, that anxiety can remain no more because of what God has done for you. I want us to lift up a praise for the promises of God this morning and receive them into our home. Receive them into our church. Receive them into our family. Part two is next week. You don't want to miss it. But I want us to leave this place today with a different mindset than we came. To believe. To believe that he hasn't brought you this far to let you come up short. He didn't deliver you from that needle in your arm for you to drink yourself to death somewhere. He didn't deliver you from anxiety and depression for you to eat yourself into diabetes Man, I got three claps on that one. It's like, he doesn't meddling now. Because what the enemy tries to get us to do, he doesn't want us to get freedom. He tries to get us to trade infirmities. I'll trade these chains for those chains. Those chains look a little prettier. Those chains are more accepted in church. So we have certain bondage that we let in the house of God, and we just sit here with our praise on with chains rattling. But the Jesus I know says this, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He doesn't want to trade. He doesn't want you to trade one thing for another thing unless you're trading your, your sorrow for joy and you're trading your bondage for freedom and you're trading your infirmity for healing and you're trading your depression for joy. Like he wants to bring a trade, but it's an upward trade, not a lateral trade. He wants us to trade the things of this world for the things of his kingdom that heaven would invade earth and we would experience it every day of our life. This is his promise. This is his word. My God, I feel like preaching. Would y'all just lift your hands with me? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I feel a holy boldness in the house today. There's some people that are going to quit taking what the enemy's throwing at you. And you're going to start fighting back this morning because he's already given you victory. You're going to quit running and avoiding the things that have been an obstacle to you. And you're going to start overcoming them. The lid that has been there for generations, I declare this morning in the name of the Lord God, Jesus, is being lifted right here and right now. The mindset is shifting in this region. Shelbyville will be changed. Tullahoma will be changed. Murfreesboro, Bell Buckle, War Trace, Lynchburg, Lewisburg. This whole region, Winchester, will be transformed. Form. The mind is being renewed right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. Do it, Lord, as only you can. Jesus, Lord. Jesus, help us, God. Help us to quit settling. Hear the Lord say, 
He is changing out a Moses mantle for a Joshua anointing. In other words, the Moses mantle. Moses was able to look and see, but not enter. Joshua was able to lead them into the land. And I keep hearing the Lord say he's tired of the people in this region looking around the world at other cities and other counties and other nations and other churches and other families that are stepping into the promise of God, but you haven't got to step in. It's time for you to have a holy boldness like Joshua and to step into the land. Step into the land. Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to show people what those steps are. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you begin to renew minds. I pray right now, Lord, that the mind of Christ would be in our minds. God, I pray that yesterday's pain would not direct tomorrow's promise. Anoint right now, Lord. Break yokes and bondage. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare it done. I declare it done. Every head by every eye closed, if you would. My first question is this, if you'd say, Pastor, there has been a lid on my life and a lid on generations in my family. And today, I'm declaring the lid is gone and the mindset is changed. And I will be able to step into the fullness of my potential and to walk in the fullness of his promises. If that's you, I want you just to wave your hand right now like you mean it, like that's me, that's me and my family. We're doing it right now, hands all over this house, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Nobody looking around. I want to ask this too. If you would say, Pastor, I don't even know Jesus. Or maybe I've known him and I've drifted away and I need to come home. I need to be renewed. If you need to be saved or you need to come home right now, just wave at me right now. Wave at me right now. I'm not going to call you out. I want to embarrass you. Thank you, sir. Somebody else. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Can we put our hands together to celebrate those who just came into the family of God? Praise God. We're going to do this. I'm going to pray for you. After I pray for you, if you made Jesus your Lord and Savior, come to my left, your right, to the steps right over here. There'll be someone there to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus. While salvation is personal and is not private, we believe that you're called to walk it out with the family of God. The second thing I would like to say is this is if you raised your hand and you believe the lid has been removed on your life, but you need prayer, or maybe you need a miracle in your life, I'm gonna open these altars and you can come forward and I'd be honored to pray with you this morning. So when I pray up here and I say amen, they're gonna begin worshiping. At that moment, you're dismissed. You can go if you need to go, or if you would like prayer, I'll be in the altar as well as an amazing prayer team to pray with you and to see your breakthrough today. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you've done and for all that you're doing, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to move in this place and do what only you can do. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that mindset, mindsets would shift, God, that we would have your mind, Lord. Protect these families as they go. Let them walk in the promises of you in your provision, Lord, and in your presence. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for my church family. In Jesus' name. And everybody says... Amen. God bless you. I love you. If you'd like prayer, please come forward. If not, God bless you. Have an amazing week.